millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petum here. As always, and we're here to talk about something that happens once in a blue moon, I guess the first time for me as a Villa fan over just around a decade now, the first for Mr. Sebastian Bacon that's here as well, and about the millionth for uh, Simon O'Regan. I'm just kidding. Simon's not that much older than me, guys, so I'll have to stop giving him some slack, and I feel like now that Seb's here, he can give him more crap than I do. But anyways, of course, we're here to chat all things Aston Villa with their 1-0 win at Old Trafford over Manchester United. Um, I'm calm about it today, guys, but it uh, yesterday was a kind of a whirlwind that, um, unfortunately, and I'll, maybe I'll get to this in a moment, I ruined my own day. But regardless of that, let's get to the guys first before I bring up my stupidity. Simon, how's it going? I'm very, very well. Um, like you say, this it just doesn't happen. We really don't beat Manu. I mean... I think since I've been going, I think we've beaten them once. And that was that um, Gabby won at Old Trafford. Because uh, I, I beat three one at Villa Park back in 95. That was before I'd started going. So, I mean, it's just it just doesn't happen. And for us to go there and win, and not like a smash and grab win, deservedly, I think, win is just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, massively. And I mean... The 09 one was just before I kind of caught on and caught the uh, the bug that is now a good bug, at least. Um, but hopefully there's more to come in the near future with these. But Seb, how's it going for you? Yeah, coming on the podcast after a win is always special. But when it's that type of win, a smash and grab away from home, a smash and grab in the terms of uh, a winner with two minutes to go. And then obviously all the drama that preceded that with the last five minutes. I didn't know it was possible, but Simon's hairline has probably receded a bit further with the drama that was going on. But (laughs) it's probably a good job that we're just a listening podcast and not a viewing one as well. But yeah, no, I mean, what circumstances? And I feel as though if you're going to win at Old Trafford, that's exactly how you'd want to do it. Um, Simon, do you want to give him a scolding right now? I'll, I'll give the floor to you if you really want to. That it's just it's it's coming, Seb. You you won't know when, you won't know how, but it's coming. So you know, just 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 keep keep bringing these on and and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be here. You won't see me coming. But if you're at Villa Park, watch out. That's what he's saying. But anyways, in in all seriousness, um, yeah, um, yesterday was brilliant. Um, my girlfriend got me. Um, for my birthday, like a month ago, the new tra- the the claret training top, I should say, for this year. Thought I'll, I'll put it on yesterday for the first time because I forgot I had it. The tag was a little itchy, so I thought I'd cut it off. Somehow I cut the shirt. Um, so now I have to see if it can even be stitched, um, even though it's around the stitching line. So hopefully, um, yeah, I wanted to cry yesterday. Um, I went from just moments of hysteria to moments of absolute sadness because 
no one around here knows who Aston Villa is. And they look at me weird when I wear things like that. And uh, I couldn't really enjoy my day yesterday because of that. But anyways, um, aside from that, let's think happy thoughts. Of course, Courtney Haas getting the only goal yesterday, 88th minute, a beautiful cross, I should say, from Dougie Louise to get that assist. Um, And for Dougie Louise himself, kind of a quiet one, but uh, one in the midfield that you would kind of say is just as important as anyone else with his performance. But we're actually going to start with kind of an opposition, I wouldn't say standpoint, but I guess with their attack, of course, you look at Ronaldo Greenwood, uh, Bruno Fernandez, of course, and we'll, we'll get on to uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's comments later because I think they're an absolute joke. But Simon, I'll come to you first. How do you think we coped with the United attack, just not even with the formation, but just as a kind of a whole team effort? You know, I think we coped really well. Ronaldo seemed fairly anonymous, to be honest. I mean, I don't really recall from what I've seen Manu really get any clear-cut chances. And there was a couple from set pieces. Um, I think Harry Maguire had a decent chance and Pogba just before half-time probably should have scored. But other than that, you know, as I say, from what I've seen, I don't think they really created an awful lot. Has a decent amount of possession. But I've just seen this formation that we've um, sort of stumbled across in the last few weeks it just really, really works. And obviously it'd be interesting how it how it um progresses as the season goes on, trying to get Bailey and Traore into it. But for the time being, for the players we've got, I just he's just working so well. And the back three look comfortable, targeting cash, cash especially. Looks like he's got a completely new lease of life uh, as a wing back rather than a fullback. So I think it well, it clearly was brilliantly because we've come away with a one-nil win. Yeah, no, massively. And Seb, I'll, I kind of spin a little bit of a different question. Simon kind of touched on the wing backs, and we'll kind of dive into that now because why not? I mean, Matty Cash yesterday was easily one of the best players on the pitch. Matty Target slowly kind of grew into the game um, as the first half went on and got better and better. But how kind of crucial, in your opinion, are these two? And not only just this formation for every game previous, but of course on Saturday. Yeah, it worked a treat, didn't it? I think. The fullbacks are so key to our formation because if Cash and Target don't have good games, I don't think we play well as a team at all. They're because in transition, they almost find themselves as wingers going forward. M- majority of the time, it's very rare that we'll see them both stay back. So it gives us that attacking edge, but then also they're, they're asked to then track back as well. So they've probably got the hardest job on the pitch for us at the moment because there's so much yardage they've got to cover and Old Trafford's renowned for its big pitch so they would have been blowing 60-70 minutes and that's something that I was worried about but they seemed completely fine they seemed to be handling the situation perfectly Um, Dean mentioned it in his press conference afterwards you know it was almost a 4v4 at times because when the two were pushing forward Dougie would seem to drop back uh, but they'd have the attackers of let's think Bruno Pogba Ronaldo and Greenwood so it would almost be a four versus four so they were they were dangerous on the counter-attack but there's not many times that I seem to be watching them and thinking oh they're in here or all oh, they've broken our lines because Ming's house and um Konsa were so compact and they just dealt with the situation brilliantly I mean, Man United had their chances and they could have scored, but Man United at home, when aren't they going to have their chances? But they were never chances that you look at and gone, oh, he should have done better with that. 
or he should be scoring that. Maguire turned Emmy into a good save. I think it was in the first half. And there were other chances that they probably should have hit the target from. I think Bruno didn't hit the target once with any of his shots. And I think he had a record amount of shots against us, which says something. But um, yeah, no, I think it worked brilliantly. And as long as we can keep cash and target fit, because I don't think other than Young, I'd say he'd be good fit to fit that role. But they seem to work so perfectly because cash is able to really bring out his best attacking presence which we haven't really seen since his Nottingham Forest days so if we can keep that going then perfect it's worked to treat yeah I mean it just it looks like a bargain for what we paid for him last season to be honest he's easily doubled in value already um and I guess kind of one thing we can talk about now is of course that man Courtney Haas um I'm not going to do my rap that I did at the end of last season um, if you guys were around and listening, then um, you'll have that memory forever um, ingrained in your mind. I'm sorry about that. And I'm never probably repeating it. I don't remember half the words aside from Haas's boss and something about Rick Ross. But anyways, um, I, I think when you look at him in particular, and then, of course, Tua and Zabek couldn't play yesterday. And it's just see- how seamlessly players can slot in and you don't really notice it. And if not, it's improving the team every week. And to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen a Villa side with this much depth. Like we're keeping Triore, Buendia's not even playing, of course. Well, of course he came on later on. Um, Bailey's not even in this because of injury. Um, the list goes on and on and on. And then if you look at our bench last season, um, it just it wasn't pretty viewing. It, it's crazy how much a few months has really transformed this side into one that's so first team dependent into arguably we have two squads that can easily do a job on its day and it's being proven but Simon I'll throw it over to you with Hawes I mean if you look at his track record with Villa it's went from basically get him getting him for what nothing or on the cheap I think it was and now he's you'd have to say what at 20 I think six he is at now he's in the prime of his career you would say and he steps in there and he just looks like a Premier League regular yeah I really like him I mean I think he was I think it's around three million we paid for him, which is you know that's that's nothing in in uh, in modern football, especially in the Premier League. He's one of those players that I don't think he's I personally don't think he's ever let us down whenever he's played. Like he may not be the most cultured centre back on the ball, but I kind of don't mind that if he can defend. You know, you, you see some defenders in the Premier League now who yeah they're nice on the ball, but they can't win it in the air, or you know they they'll get out muscles and. Horsey, he just he does the basics, but he does them extremely well. Like I think sometimes you say about a player, he, he does the basics well. It, it feels like you're sort of damning them with faint praise, but I, I don't mean it in any sort of disrespectful way. He's a defender who just defends, and he does it brilliantly. And um, you know, he's it's not a given now. You'd say that Transay becomes back into that team next weekend, and like you say, the fact that the depth in the squad, it's probably what in terms of like depth and genuine options um, off the bench that can come in, it's probably one of the strongest squads that I can remember us having for a long time. I think we've had periods in the past, you say like the O'Neill days where we had an excellent like first 11 and it was a great first 11, but there was literally nothing off the bench to come into that. <clears throat> you look now, it's completely different. I mean, the four centre-backs we've got, if you're looking outside of sort of what you call the traditional top six teams. I think you struggle to find the club with a better group of centre-backs, possibly 
Leicester, if you're not including them as one of the big six clubs, I think they've got, you know, a group of a good solid group of three or four centre backs. But all four of them could each you could pick two of any of them four, and I would be confident that they would do a good job. And you know, Courtney Hawes, for someone as you say, you he's sort of a bit of a a nothing player in the championship going nowhere at Wolves, you know, wasn't getting a game there. He's come in for, to us when we were still in the championship and he stepped up to the Premier League and the fair play to him, you know, I, I didn't necessarily think he would have had it in him to make it as a good Premier League player. But like I said earlier, he's never let us down and, you know, just really, really impressive display yet again. Yeah, and it's one of those things too where I think a lot of people in the summer are saying we need another center back. Um, probably you would say as a third choice. And now that you're playing, you would assume with a three-five-two for most games. Um, we'll wait and see if that kind of changes. And again, it's kind of flexibility that we now have tactically. But I think the one thing is now maybe go into the January window and say, okay, maybe we need a a fifth choice. Um, it, and maybe it's because you're playing with three constantly. And I think that's all credit to Courtney Hawes. I mean, he stepped up when needed and that's the thing you need. And a thing aside from really, well, I guess with the value too of odd, was it two and a half or 3 million, whatever it was, I mean, it's value for money. And those are the kind of signings you need to step up to the plate. And as much as you can, people can say, Oh, well you need to spend 20 million, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. Sometimes you just don't need to, you need to believe and kind of see what you have and assess it from there. And I feel like, and that's any football fan. I feel like we look at our squad and any team, um, whoever you support around the globe. And you always just think like, Oh, you need to spend money here, here, and here. And I just think we overlook what we over like what we have already. But anyways, Seb, I'll, I'll come to you. And I think the one thing that kind of stood out to me most yesterday was the midfield three of Ramsey McGinn. And of course, Dougie Louise, um, I mentioned before, Dougie Louise, of course, got the assist. Um, I wouldn't say he was a passenger in their game or did bad, but I didn't really notice him. And I think it's one of those games where he just did so well and did the simple things right that you didn't notice him. But when you look at the, the likes of Jacob Ramsey and John McGinn, in my opinion, probably their best games of the season. But what did you think? I've always said that if you don't notice a defensive midfielder in the game, they're probably having a very good game. That's the type of role that they play. McGinn was fantastic. I don't, clearly his head was fine because, you know, he was one of the most intelligent players on the pitch at one point and he probably should have got Maguire sent off. Just touching on our centre-backs for a minute, Courtney Hawes costing 3 million, Maguire costing 80. I know which one looked better on the day um, and in general, but yeah, no, the midfield played their part and again was a key reason we won that game. You look at United's midfield of Pogba and Fernandez and Fred, and then you look at ours of Academy, Jacob Ramsey, 2.5 million, John McGinn and Douglas Louise from their rivals, Manchester City. And again, we outclassed them on the day. We were able to nullify their attacking threats whilst also causing them problems going forward. And I think the one, the one pass of... Dougie's that sticks out for me is the one where he played it in behind the United defence to Watkins, which ended up with Watkins going in and having a shot which was saved. But I think that just epitomised just how we were able to make the pitch our own at times and stretch United, put them on the back foot and get them worried because 
obviously they haven't lost yet or they hadn't lost yet this season until we we showed up so we were able to put them on the back foot and we were able to cause them problems that they probably hadn't had to deal with yet this season you saw Leeds go to Old Trafford on the first day and get absolutely ripped apart due to their almost naivety at times to go forward but then not come back and I mentioned before about the wing backs how important it was for them to track back but the midfield three as well they all came back and they did their defensive responsibilities to a man and to a tee and they did it so so well that it allowed the defence almost a bit less responsibility and at times it didn't put all the pressure on the defence so House was able to have a good game and do the basics well without having to worry about two or three men and being outnumbered, which is probably why as a unit, it all worked collectively so well. Yeah. And I I think the one thing that I kind of took from what you said, Seb, is we went in there and we didn't look scared. And I think that's the one thing that's changed over a couple seasons is the first season back in the Premier League, we'd be setting up shop, hoping for the best. Maybe you nick one, but you're probably going for a draw more than anything or not to get battered. Now it just, it looks like we're just kind of, I wouldn't say on their level, but like, it's just like, hey, let's have a go. Let's give it to them. Like, why not? And I don't understand that. But do you have something to add on, Seb? See, I slightly disagree. I think we were too naive in our first season. I thought we thought, yeah, we can play any team, but we didn't defend well. I think that's what we remember. We were saying at the time we can score. But to, ha- to get a result, we were having to score two or three because we knew that we'd be conceding at times. Whereas this season, you know you can keep a clean sheet. It's just about whether you can get that goal and then defend responsibly. Because I feel more confident now that when we get a goal, that we can see it out and we can see it out comfortably. Whether that's a change of formation or whether that's just because our responsibilities now have gone up more and we've become a bigger unit. But... I don't know. And touching on House, he said yesterday, look, this is Man United, but we're Aston Villa and we've got a squad of players who aren't afraid and can compete. And that's what you love to see. Since we've been back, I think we've beaten all of the big six now, other than the obvious ones from down the road. But you know what? Our time will come and it's looking positive at the moment and we're looking to break into that mould and we'll have those sorts of teams worried in the future. Well, that that win against uh, City's coming very, very soon. Don't you worry. I probably just jinxed it. But anyways, it's uh, no, no, you do make sense. And you are kind of, I would say you're probably right more so than I was in my point. And it's good to see kind of how people see it differently, too, because I don't know when you look back, especially at the first season back, you you sit there and think uh, the the squad, like the quality's not there in the squad. So you kind of take it with what you give and. Now you just look at it and it's crazy. Like I said before, who you can't fit in this team right now. And I think that's the best thing too, because you know what? Bringing on the likes of uh, Cameron Archer in the what? 86th minute or something like that. Just having a go at it. Um, I don't know if you would have done that two seasons ago, to be honest. And I don't know. It, it's it's nice to see. But anyways, um, the one thing I do want to talk about now and actually touch on would be um, of course, the pair of Ollie Watkins and, of course, Danny Ings up front. And um, they haven't scored for the last two games. And I wouldn't really say it's a concern because the one thing I always look at is their movement and the amount of space that they kind of um, and maybe even the minds of the defenders that they kind of occupy for any opposition. It's so key to opening up space for the midfield or for cash or target to make space or even from the likes of any of our defenders to get onto a ball from a a corner or a set piece, which is very nice to see, to be honest. I think we have the most 
um i don't know if it's the most set piece like connections or something there's some weird stat out there we're first in it which definitely we were not even close to that last season or the season before or for as long as i can really remember but simon i'll come to you is is there ever even a little concern with the likes of kind of watkins and ings not kind of fully firing right now not for me at the moment um because because we're getting results obviously the one yesterday and the one at everton it's it's concern that would be a concern if, if you're losing or you're drawing games and the strikers aren't scoring. And also they they are still at least getting chances. And which again is you no, know, it's an old football cliche that you start worrying when the strikers aren't in the position to get the chances. But I think what they give, certainly in the last couple of weeks, more so than goals, is they're pressing from the front. You know, when the they having the first year that um, you know, touching back on the first year we're back up in the premiership again, we kind of tended to like sit a bit deeper and from a starting position we very rarely press teams now but with them to up front and their energy and their pressing it allows the defence to get another 15-20 yards up the pitch and you're winning the ball in the opposition's half so you know the I I think they're too the two of them are too good to not uh, end up you know scoring goals Watkins he sort of showed last season that he will go through maybe a period of a few games where he doesn't score, but then once he gets one, he'll go on a run of five, six, seven games of scoring. Danny Ings has proven over the last number of years that he's a goal scorer. So the lack of goals isn't a concern because I, I think they offer so much more than just goals. They, the way that they play is paramount to how the team then plays and, and goes further at the pitch. So it's at, at the moment, I, I don't think it's anything to be worried about. Yeah, and Seb, I'll come to you with this one too. I mean, as long as we're winning and we're getting that odd goal to, of course, make that difference and get three points. I mean, that's that's all that really matters. And I, I guess when you look at this squad now and we're scoring by committee, and I guess you could say we did so to a margin last year, but of course, Ollie Watkins ran away with it too. And of course, um, the other man that I'm trying not to name anymore uh, contributes heavily to those statistics as well. But what are you more happy with, would you say, two strikers that'd be firing or you know what we're going to succeed by scoring as a committee is it almost kind of that way of another kind of step in the evolution of this side to say you know what anyone on the pitch at any moment could score a goal I mean I'd rather be winning more games with more people contributing to goals than not getting the results but our strikers be firing I mean Watkins was unlucky yesterday he had that one that I mentioned earlier from the Dougie pass he had the De Gea mistake, which he probably should have scored. But, you know, it will come. Ings, I think Simon mentioned it pretty well. He's a natural-born goal scorer. I was quite surprised to see him come off with Archer then replaced a few minutes later in a different sub because I think Ings is more likely to pop up a goal out of nowhere than obviously Archer, even though he's done brilliantly. I was surprised to see that happen. Obviously, it worked, so... Dino clearly knows more than me, so I'll keep my mouth shut. But yeah, no, the two strikers, it's all about connection and that will come with time. You saw Ings link up with Shea Adams so well at Southampton. They striped a partnership, but Adams really struggled in his first season. Um, So that will come with time and those two will start to gel and they'll start to find more passes and interlink in play more. 
And yeah, it will come with time. We've got to be patient. But Ing showed it in his first few games at the club. He can score goals from anywhere and he can be a danger. And as soon as Watkins starts firing as well, you know, as like, like you guys said, as long as we're getting goals from other parts of the pitch, I'm not too concerned. The time it will concern me is when we're struggling to find the back of the net through anyone. I think we're forgetting Anwar Al-Ghazi contributed to our second most goals last season and he can't even get on the pitch at the moment so it's not like we're struggling for goals and it's nice that we have that squad depth that we're able to bring in these players that we didn't have the luxury of last season when we're not able to find the back of the net it just gives us more dimensions and it keeps the oppositions guessing yeah the more we're talking about squad depth to be honest i really hope we actually go for a fa cup run now <laughs> um yeah uh i think that'd be very nice because the last fa cup memory i have giving to the final was not very pleasant anyways let's not um, discuss that and i think shay given still feels terrible for that day but regardless of it um I don't really like kind of talking super poorly about the opposition, but this really annoyed me. And you know what? United fans would probably do it to us anyway. So let's just give it back to them. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's comments after the game, uh, blaming basically everything except for his own squad. Basically Um, the way I see United, at least is they're a quick team that was playing the slowest tempo they could probably possibly play they didn't really look like any urgency and for him to kind of blame Ollie Watkins to be offside or to be in kind of fouling De Gea which even when the ball was in De Gea's trajectory Watkins was like two feet away from but regardless just I don't know it's it's scratching at basically anything to try to get out of it and it's uh it's a very poor way to do it. It's almost like he's trying to be Jose Mourinho in terms of a kind of offsetting it, but he just fails miserably at it. And Simon, I'll come to you first, of course. I, I don't know if you really um, got too much viewing of that. And of course, you were in Manchester, so I don't know if you had any people around you kind of giving opinions on it, but uh, what would you make of those comments? Yeah, well, I, I have seen uh, his interview on Match of the Day, and I thought it was pathetic. I mean, the the gall and cheek of anyone associated with Man United to complain about dodgy VR decisions going against them, getting the bin on the gonna show shot. You're an absolute joke. As you say, it's just trying to deflect blame from a poor, pathetic performance from his own team. I mean, we all remember Bruno Fernandez stamping on Conza and getting a penalty for it. So no, I I, I thought it was I thought it was embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. It, it's like um Similar to Steve Bruce when we beat Newcastle the other week, complaining about um, the VAR decisions, it's just it's just a way to try and deflect blame. And I mean, saying he was offside is like saying that he was stood in front of him. We've all seen the stills when uh, Horse makes a header; he's about two feet away from him. Like it, it, it was just it was embarrassing. And I I'll be honest, I, I really did enjoy watching that. It made me feel really sweet and warm inside hearing his pathetic tears <laughs> well the thing i enjoyed most was uh when he was saying how he didn't like we would uh how the villa players got around the ref and i think it was matt kendrick from the birmingham mail that put out a bunch of photos of all the times in the past well not all the times but some examples of past united sides doing it um and some of those that uh, ollie was actually probably a part of too so um tread kind of carefully there ollie but seb let's get your opinion on this because it's a bit of a shambles from him isn't it yeah i think that's something that united do best is surround the referee when things aren't going their way bruno fernandez especially but 
yeah, he, he probably knew that his side weren't up to scratch and he was looking at ways to probably deflect blame from his side, uh, which all managers do. But I think it's quite funny when we've been personally dealt some of the bad blows against them ourselves. We've had to witness it. Um, and I think Smith summed it up perfectly is that he was expecting United to get a penalty and that it's typical Manchester United, which I was quite glad to see Smith come out and say because it's quite refreshing from our manager. Um, but yeah, look, he had he had no right. I think the reason he said it was because a lesser goal got disallowed against Brighton for the same thing. But it was different in terms of that it went across the keeper. De Gea wasn't saving House's header whether Watkins was there or whether Watkins was back at Villa Park in Birmingham, it, it wouldn't have made a difference to him. So, yeah, look, he was probably trying to deflect blame, but at the at the end of the day, we've got the three points and he hasn't, so I'm happy enough. Yeah, I think the only thing missing would be Dean Smith saying it was something about juggling balls again and referring to uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this time or something. Let's start a little bit of beef or something. That would have been nice. Um, hopefully we do the uh, double over them this season. Again, I probably jinxed it, but wouldn't that be a very, very sweet thing? Um, Seb, I'll throw it right back to you. Let's get to our man of the match awards. So who would yours be? Uh, I'm probably going to keep this short and sweet, but I'm going to go for Douglas Louise. Fair enough. I don't really know if it needs more explanation, to be honest. He had a really good game and again, did the simple things right. And you don't always notice that. So fair enough. But Simon, how about you? Um, well, from the sort of few bits and pieces I've seen, I thought John McGinn was outstanding, but purely for his comical little dance towards the Stretford end after that penalty went into space, it's got to be Emmy Martinez. That that was one of the greatest things I've seen on the football pitch for a long, long time. So more of that, please, Emmy. So yeah, I'm going Emmy Martinez. Yeah, he kind of brought back the Copa America feels where he, him and Yuramino were having a dance-off. Um, I hope was really hoping that happened during the Everton game last weekend, but it didn't. But I'm very, very glad. And there was a lot of shithousery in him kind of talking uh, trash to Bruno Fernandes, telling uh, Ronaldo to take it instead. And I would just like to say that definitely got in Bruno's head because I think that ball still has not landed unless it landed where you were last night, Simon. I'm not too sure. You'll have to let us know here in a moment. But uh I think I'm going to have to go with Courtney Hawes. And of course you can kind of say it's an easy pick with the, the game winning goal and all that kind of stuff. But again, he slots in so seamlessly. He does the simple things right. And the one thing I did like about him too, and maybe I, I do get nervous when you have defenders so high. Um, I think it was later in the second half on the left-hand side of the United um, defensive zone. I think he was playing like one twos with Buendia or something like that, or trying to make something going forward, like right outside the United box. I mean, the, the confidence to stay up there and kind of make something happen is something I absolutely love. And it, it just has that sense of, you know what, we're going to go for it. I should not be up here by any means, but I'm staying up here to make something happen. So fair enough to him. But Simon, quickly, did that ball land where you were last night? Well, it was going to the, the, the gig that we were at was at the Old Trafford Cricket Ground. So it was right next door to it. So yeah, there was a, there was a few jokes going around saying, oh, is the, is the ball going to come and hit us? Uh, yeah, great, great fun. Great days. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, let's get over to the uh, listener three word reviews, of course, on Twitter. So after every game, of course, I go on Twitter. Um, it's at 7500 to Holt. That's where you can tweet. And I ask for your three word summaries slash reviews, whatever you want to call them 
on the game and thank you to, I think there's roughly uh, 30 some on this one. Um, I probably should have tweeted it a bit later with the amount of tweets of excitement coming out right after the game. So that probably pushed it down a lot of people's uh, timelines, but nonetheless, thank you to everyone that got involved. We'll start with uh, Ross Cro- or Russ Crook, sorry, Russ um, saying Emmy fucking Martinez, uh, Karen Kana, sorry if I butchered that, saying up the villa, um, up the villa, saying Courtney Hawes. Um, I guess I'll accept that. That's not really three words, but anyways, it doesn't matter. We beat United, so I'll accept anything at this point. Um, Stephen Meredith on our way. Michael Rudd is Dean Blind. Um, I'm assuming he's me- meaning Mike Dean in that scenario, which, yes, he probably is. Um, we'll go to Steven Sanders saying absolutely fucking glorious. And we will finish it with Claret Villain saying about damn time. And yes, it was about damn time for that to happen. Never thought it would happen. Um, the last few minutes gave me probably about three um, nervous breakdowns. But nonetheless, we got over the line and all that well, that's all that matters is what I'm trying to say. But anyways, you guys know what I mean. Um, so yeah, that's it for that. Thank you very much. And of course, in the future, you guys can reach out at 7500 Holt on Twitter. But anyways, before we get things wrapped up here for this edition of the Holt cast, we're going to do everyone's favorite game. And that's the Villa version of Who Am I? Of course, Seb is um, the youngest of this group. So I have to kind of keep it around his uh, memory range. Um, no offense, Seb. I just want to make it an even playing ground. So, of course, just to relay the rules and to, so Seb remembers as well, because he did ask me a few times before this. <laughs> um, basically, of course, there's three rounds. So, of course, every round there's a new player. Uh, within those three rounds, I'll kind of give one clue per. They'll get one guess per clue. Uh, well, it'll they get basically is more obvious as we go along and we go from there. Of course, guys, a quick game is a good game. And the other thing to say is wait till I'm done the question. Um, and <laughs> yeah, but anyways, I should have said that last time. That's not on Seb. That's on me. So we'll start with round one. Um, I was born in Sheffield, England on the 28th of May, 1990. So how old's that making then? 31 years old younger than you <laughs> oh, you're gonna get it one day i can just say uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, i've just got a little notebook of all of these little quips uh no i i haven't got anyone okay no. fair enough seb how about you no oh okay i guess you said no and i still asked you but regardless <laughs> anyways i began my youth career um with sheffield united from 1997 to 2008 before being promoted to the senior squad for one season for the 0809 season, making two appearances. In between that time, I then went on loan to Northampton Town, where I made nine appearances. I feel hmm. like this might be actually a good one, to be honest. Proud of myself. Yes, yeah, still haven't got anyone for this. Sheffield United. Seb, how about you? Um and no, it's not Simon Dawkins. Danny, if you're listening, you're welcome. I brought <laughs> it up. <laughs> um Northampton. I need an answer in three. No. Two okay, no. Simon, how about you? No, nothing. Okay, we're gonna try to keep these kind of clicking, so uh, my editing job is a little bit easier. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, um, I then moved to Tottenham Hotspur on a permanent deal, where I um, was from 09 to 2017, making 183 appearances, scoring four goals. I also had loans in between that time at Sheffield United, back on loan, QPR, and of course at Villa. I Jesus. think Seb has it to be honest. No, 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 no. no. no? 2017. 
Yeah, so he's there from Spurs from 09 to 17. In between there, he had loan spells at Sheffield United, QPR, and Villa. He made 20 appearances at Villa. 27. 20 appearances. Oh, got him. Got him, but I can't remember his name. Got him. Yes, got him. Got him. Got him. Si- got him. Si- let me see if Simon, Simon, do you have any clue before I give yes. it over to Seb? <laughs> no idea. Okay. It's the man, the myth, the legend, the Jack Grealish replacement, Josh Onoma. No, it is not. What? <laughs> really? He was yeah. so cold. Oh, no! Look at his little face. <laughs> oh, no! Seriously, it's uh, not. Onoma's not 31. No, he's not 31. I think he's like oh. mid to early 20. Well, probably mid 20s now. Okay. Oh, no. Um, I'm heartbroken. Just so I don't make it hard, I'll throw this one in before the last one because everyone's going to get it. Um, national team wise, um, 2009, of course, I was with the U19s making seven appearances then moved on to the U21s the next year, making seven appearances. And I've made 63 senior appearances for the um, England oh, squad. I've got it. I've got it. No! Okay, go ahead. Like, have you got it, Sam, or do you want me no. to swear? Go ahead. Kyle Walker. It is Kyle Walker. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> if I said Man City next, I feel like that yeah. would have just given it away. So it was, it was the number of England caps that, that gave it away. I, I just had completely forgotten that he that he'd come on Didn't even slip. Oh. Yeah, I mean he made 15 appearances scoring one goal. I said 20 yeah. before, but that was for QPR. My bad. I read that wrong. But anyways, oh. so one nil to Mr. O'Regan, of course. Josh Onuma, what was that thing? <laughs> I don't know. You're, I don't want to know what your young mind thinks some days, oh, trust me. No. Um, anyways, let's go on to round two. I don't think we've done this guy before. I hope not, at least. But nonetheless, uh, we'll have some fun with it. I was born in Coventry, England um, on the 5th of March, 1995, making me 26 now. Nah, nothing. Josh Onuma? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay let's move on to the next one um my youth career began and ended at villa um it began in 2002 until 2013 i then moved on to the senior squad from 13 to 2015 in between then i made had loans i should say at ipswich town bradford city and wolves Hmm. had a loan at wolves left i feel like that one might give it away a little bit because i don't know how many players really have went on loan to wolves and he left Villa in 2015. Um, actually, I actually haven't got there yet. All oh, right, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, no, I'm struggling with this one. Lone okay, Wolves. We'll we'll skip to the next one then, just yeah, to keep things on. going. Um, of course, then I moved to Wolves permanently from 2015 to 2020, um, making 14 appearances within that time, scoring one goal. But in between then, um, I had loans at Oxford United, Fulham, Ipswich Town, Oxford United again and Gillingham. Why do I feel like it's going to really annoy me? Because I know who it is, but I just slip in my mind. Loan at Wolves. That's thrilling. And then permanently went to Wolves. Like, yeah. I'm going to feel really thick in a minute, aren't I? Yeah. Oh, I feel really smart. These are good ones. Okay. <laughs> These are good. Yes. Oh, I've done something right, finally. About time. Um, let's go on to the next one, if you guys don't have anything. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Okay. Um, I then moved permanently to Gillingham, uh, for the 2020-2021 season, making 39 appearances and scoring 12 goals. I feel like if I say the next one, it'll give it away. So I'll, I'll put this as a separate round. Oh, I have not got a clue. Okay, I'll, I'll go to the next one then. 
I now find myself ba- back in the city of Birmingham for Birmingham City, um, where I have yet to make Oh, got it. No, I haven't got it. No, I haven't got it. That's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they have basically signed like 30 million players in the summer. So I don't know how easy well, that is. That means, that means they'll have two players that have played for us, Wolves, and them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, well, I've got a name in my head. Go for it. I don't know if this is Jordan Graham. It's Jordan Graham. Oh, <laughs> it's, I, it's I honestly, it's a hard one. I, that from. <laughs> I have no idea where I got that from. My last question was going to be, I'm good friends with Jack Grealish, or at least what you, that's what it seems like on Twitter. So Everyone seems as though they're good friends with Jack <laughs> Yeah, true. Yeah, get get towards that money, to be honest. That's what I would do, too. Um, if, he, if he's kind of... Uh, very charitable in that way who knows but anyways <laughs> two nil of course to simon so this is just gonna be one of those oh, rounds that Seb hopefully comes back and gets some redemption if not it's gonna be a clean saving sweep. grace this yeah yeah <laughs> this one go this one's probably the hardest and to be honest i feel a little mean oh, doing Jesus. it but, uh, <laughs> yeah um because i completely forgot about this guy but anyways i was born in thurwell switzerland on the 31st of January, 1992, making me 29. The only Swiss player I can think Seb, of. Seb, do not times. message me on WhatsApp asking who is it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Oh. I, I know this isn't the right answer, but the only Swiss player I can think of we've had is Philip Senderos, but it's not him because he's no. older than 29. No, let's, so. let's, let's dive deeper into this because I feel like we'll be here all day. Um, my youth career began in 2000 um, with FC Thirill until 2002, then moved on to FC Basel from 02 to 09. Uh, then I moved on to the Villa youth system from 09 to 2012. Um, then I guess I should say moving into the senior um, system at Villa from 2012 to 2016, but I made no appearances in that time. <laughs> Not a clue. Seb? Um. If you don't have anything, it's all good. I don't. Was this might he, be a harsh one. I don't know whether I can ask you a question. No. There's a name in my head. Do you want to go? You 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 go. Said you go first. I can't remember his last name, but his first name was Benjamin. His second name began with an S. That, that's that's not the name that I had in my head. Benjamin. Um, he was a goalkeeper. Benjamin Seagrease? Oh, he Greece? got it. Okay. Did I get enough. it? Yes, you did. Um, uh, yeah. that, that's not who I was thinking of at all. <laughs> wow, that's actually impressive. I completely forgot he even played for us. Um, well, course, he didn't technically with his well, appearances. He, rep- he represented us off the pitch, and that, that yeah. hopefully means something, of course. Um, he had loans at uh, Burton, Cambridge, uh, yeah. Solihull, Wickham Wanderers, then moved on to uh, Vaduce. Uh, 2016 2018 now he is a goalkeeper with dundee united where he's made 89 appearances so yeah I, to be honest that's the, somehow the easiest round or the quickest one i should say um which i thought would be the <laughs> hardest but fair enough seb you, you you came back and you you claimed i redeemed uh, a myself slightly you, you got josh on out of your heads <laughs> josh on um simon dawkins um they're forever holt cast legends that uh, <laughs> i feel like i have to make a banner for them or something or they should be if we ever need a banner but uh 
anyways, guys, I, I think that's about it. Um, the only thing I did want to mention as well was congratulations. And I should have mentioned this to or earlier, I should say, would be the Villa women. Uh, of course, on Sunday at the time of recording, you hear this on the Monday, the, they beat uh, Brighton 1-0. So they're now second in the table after three games, um, which, to be honest, I know it's early, but that's massive compared to they were, where they were last season. Um, so yeah, Villa is going from strength to strength on all kind of rounds and it's very, very good to see. So up the Villa women, up the Villa and yeah, we'll, we'll leave things at that guys. Of course, if you want to find any of us on Twitter, the links are in the description below, check out acorns. Of course, their, um, website link of course is also in the description. Um, and yeah, we'll be very, or we'll be back very soon if I can pronounce my English correctly and yeah, don't forget up the Villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.